This is the Starcoat Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 340. As helping professionals, we tend to focus on others and might even forget about our own self-care or put it to the back burner so we can focus on others first. The reality is, to be the best we can be for our clients, for our families, for our employees, we need to tune into our own needs first. As we wrap up Mental Health Awareness Month, I invited therapist Dr. Jane Phillips to the show to explore the concept of minding our own mental health. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you join us. We've got an important episode today as we're zeroing in on our own mental health and well-being as helping professionals so that we can be the best we can be for our clients. Now, many of you know that I was a psychotherapist for over 20 years before I transitioned into executive coaching. And so the concept of minding our own mental health, paying attention to the patterns and the situations that arise in our lives is crucial to us filling our own well, for us taking care of ourselves, because you can't just pull from the well without putting in. It's going to run dry at some point. So when I thought about bringing this topic forward, I reached out to a friend of mine who used to be in practice with me when I was a psychotherapist. Dr. Jane Phillips is the owner of North Texas Family Solutions, which is located in Granbury, Texas. She's been a practicing therapist since 2000. She works with children, families, couples, She often works, as a matter of fact, the majority of her clients are those affected by family court litigation. She works with a lot of separated families, a lot of family crisis. She has a profound understanding of the stresses faced by adults and children involved in divorce and custody disputes. And she actively works with family members to explore creative solutions to those difficult circumstances that are caused through separation and divorce. So I thought she was in a great position to understand, A, what sort of normal patterns that we all kind of get into and experience, and when to pay attention when things begin to move in a direction that maybe are contrary to where we want to go. What do we need to pay attention to? And as with all of my favorite episodes, this is really zeroed in on both what to pay attention to in your own mental health and well-being, how to take care of yourself first, and Jane's also going to dive into some of those signs that we might pay attention to if we're determining 
Does this client potentially need a referral to a therapist or a medical doctor based upon some of the things that they are sharing with us? So we go in lots of great directions today, give you all sorts of information. I am delighted to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Jane Phillips. Dr. Jane Phillips, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So glad to have you. So Jane and I are friends. We go way back in my previous life when I was a therapist. Jane and I were office mates and she does incredible work in the world. And as Mental Health Awareness Month was here, I reached out to her. I know how busy she is and said, would you work in time for us? so that we can have a conversation about how our own self-care and our own awareness of what's happening to our emotions and our the stories we tell ourselves and the way that our bodies are getting worn down. When we're constantly focused on other people, we can sometimes forget about our own health and well-being. And so that's what Jane and I are going to talk about. And so Jane, just like when we start with that concept of being a helping professional, whether we're a coach or a therapist or a doctor or any number of the other things that you know we do in the world to help other people find their own center and well-being, what do you want? Like, how do you want to open this? What do you want us to think about when it comes to the concept of putting on our own oxygen mask first. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, there's so much truth to that. If we can't breathe, we can't help anybody else. So it doesn't have to take a long time to do self-care, just a little bit, and then you're breathing. Yeah. So let's think about, you know, there's often as coaches, one of the things we want to be sure, and so I'm going to lean into your mental health uh, background for this, but As coaches, we want to be sure that we're not crossing the line, that we are not stepping into the place of being therapist instead of coach. And I think one of the things that you and I had talked about was there's a difference between situational stress, situational anxiety, uh, you know, something that's sort of short-term and focused. And that's certainly something that a coach can step into that place, not to treat, but to help work through and talk about. And then there's patterns and historical things that really require more of a diagnosis. So when we're thinking about situational versus patterns to pay attention to in that exchange. Part of it is looking for a mood that would carry across several environments versus a specific environment. So if the client is reporting, you know, I just I don't have any energy to do anything at all. That's more of a mental health issue. If it's, I don't have energy to do my work or something related to it. Or to deal with this particular person. Exactly. Yes. Then that's specific. And that's something that would probably be appropriate um, to deal with from a coaching standpoint. Love that perspective. So let's once again, turn the lens back to ourselves and say, you know, there are certain things that our body tells us, that our mind tells us, that our behaviors tell us. So when we're looking at, okay, 
I need to be aware of my being and my and how I'm showing up. What are some things that we should be aware of in the way of signs? So the APA Dictionary of Psychology has a great way of looking at this. And we need to look for physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion. Also, when those things are accompanied by a decrease in motivation or performance is affected, or there starts to be a negative outlook on oneself or the world, those are clues that it's time to take action and not to ignore those. Because if we ignore them, it could get worse. Right. So I think about things like sleeplessness, a sleepless night in preparation for a big presentation or uh, something that anticipated, you know, that might be okay. Yeah, I don't get the best sleep because I'm afraid I'm going to miss my flight or I'm afraid I'm going to oversleep through the through the alarm and miss my presentation. So I have a night of tossing and turning that might be normal. But night after night after night of not getting sleep, that ends up and I used to say to my therapy clients, not getting sleep is one of the biggest alarms to me because how is your body going to regenerate and how is it going to refuel itself if you're not getting sleep? So that would be one like you know, a, a situational thing versus a pattern. What right. else can our body tell us that we want to pay attention to with our body? Well, we want to notice if we just we're having trouble just getting up and moving around. Again, a lot of that is the mental awareness of that, but um, fatigue is a huge part of it. If we notice that we're not eating well, eating too much or too little, or just eating, maybe weight doesn't change, but we're not eating to fuel our bodies. We're just eating. That's another clue. Drinking too much or using substances that affects our body. And, you know, a glass of wine at dinner is not a bad deal. But if that's being used as a coping mechanism, that's a red flag to pay attention to. Um, also, if we notice that we are, we used to be active physically. Mm-hmm. and we're more sedentary, um, that's something also to pay attention to. I am glad you brought up the sleep because we actually have more control over sleep than we think, mm-hmm. just building in a routine. But our so, bodies do let us know. They let us know. And to your point, Jane, paying attention to versus pushing away the awareness because I've got this other thing to do or because this person needs me or because you know, I was talking with somebody the other day who said, you know, I just don't have time to deal with what I have to do because these other people are having these demands on me. Well, at what point, you know, did, did, does your energy run out or does your fuel, you know, we can only keep putting off our own for so long. And is that really then bringing your best forward? So that's the other thing I would challenge everybody to think about. If you're ignoring the signs that your body's giving you, are you ultimately working harder and getting less result than if you were to take a break and take a walk in the middle of the day to break away from the routine or to get up and have a glass of water away from your desk or visit for a few minutes with somebody in your area, like something to to change the go, 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 go that your body is begging for 
something. I think that other countries that do the whole siesta thing are probably, you know, wiser than us in many ways, because even that 10, 15 minute siesta can potentially be an an incredible, A, it's just giving yourself permission to put yourself first. And then I don't, I, you know, it kind of blows me away to imagine, but when a whole country like, okay, this is our downtime for the day. I think that that's kind of amazing. Yeah, clearly they recognize the need. But our bodies are really helpful to us in recognizing when we've had too much or we're stressed. You brought up the idea of staying up late one night, maybe to to work on a project or catch a flight. So we have something called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And that's kind of a healthy stress that motivates us and keeps us going. But then we can also have not very helpful detrimental stress. And that's what we want to minimize. But our bodies will tell us we'll get stiff, achy, headachy, uh, stomach aches, things like that. Our body is trying to let us know. Hello, please pay attention. Yeah, good, good, good. And when we pay attention, we're actually coming. We're better for ourselves, for the people around us, for the clients that we're trying to serve. What about mood? What are some things that come through in the way of mood? that we want to be able to pay attention to? One of the things that comes to mind is just when people are no, when they feel depressed or they feel down, pay attention to that if they say that. Again, if it's situational, that can be addressed. But if it's general in several circumstances, that can be significant. Lack of interest in activities is important. Again, looking for the general or something right. that used to be very enjoyable and no longer is. That's mm-hmm. something to pay attention to as well. Both in yourself and in the people that you're serving. Exactly. So if you are suddenly feeling cranky or like nothing is enjoyable or everybody on my calendar is a nuisance versus somebody <laughs> that I'm looking forward to spending time with, you might tune into what's shifting for me and what's that telling me that I need to then focus on to take care of myself so that I'm suddenly joy, you know, so I can build back into the joy of seeing people rather than being annoyed by seeing people. I say to people, if everything gives you a rash, then then something is askew in your life to pay attention to so that you can then step into your best being. And if we're ignoring all those signs, we're not in the place of being our best being. Right. I think we've all been around people where we can tell something's a little off. And so we'd rather be with people who are on their game and paying attention. So that's what we do when we take care of ourselves. We're on our game. I love that you said that, Jane, because that feeds right into coaching presence. One of our our core competencies as a coach, we want to be fully fully immersed in the other person, being present and curious and thoughtful about what the other person is presenting. If we are in a place with our mind and our mood of being distracted or that that something is not being dealt with so that it's an energy drain out the back door, that's going to influence our ability to be fully present, to make the other person feel safety and trust, all the things that we want to do. If we're somehow distracted by our lack of self-care and awareness, 
that's going to influence our coaching mindset. I see that. Yes. Yeah. That distractibility is hard for other people to ignore. Right. So then I'm not, I'm almost feeling like, well, Jane, is there somewhere else you need to be? Or is there, you know, is is my session bothering you? So (laughs) we certainly don't want to sort of lean into ignoring our own needs. It's very much a part of what we do when we embody a coaching mindset, we work some things in. So let's talk about some of the things that we could work in around stopping that energy leak. And instead, sort of, you know, what can we do to lean into good mental health self-care? What are some things you recommend? One of the things you mentioned earlier is really critical. It's taking breaks. And they, again, don't have to be long, complicated events, but walking around the office or the house for five minutes, 10 minutes, something just to get some movement going. Um, Exercise, that might take a little bit more time. But it doesn't have to be two hours at the gym. It can be walk outside the office for 10 minutes and turn around and walk back. You've gotten 20 minutes in without thinking about it. Those are so good for mental health as well as physical. Things we take for granted, like being playful, is just a great way to kind of break negative energy. Things we did as kids that maybe we no longer do. Maybe we colored or we kicked a ball around or we... We're on a swing set. If that's possible, that's a great way to take a break. I love that you said that. I was just on a call with somebody this morning who was talking about that she got an app for her iPad where it is a coloring thing. And she has a pen for her iPad. And she says that it's so detailed that she has to really concentrate and on uh, the activity of completing the picture. But it's such a stress reliever for her. She says at the end of a busy day, she'll take 10 to 15 minutes and just do this color activity on her iPad. So it sort of feels grown up. And yet it is just this incredibly sort of self-nurturing activity that she hadn't even realized was going to be when she downloaded the app. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Yeah. And we're lucky we do have a lot of different apps that, you know, setting a timer, I'm going to let myself play a game on my phone or do the coloring app for X amount of time so that we get to do that and we still can get back to what we were doing. I like it that she did it at the end of the day, something to look forward to. Right. And then kind of unwind for the day. Yeah. Right. Another element that's pretty critical to self-care is what we were talking about before with sleep, but in general, helping ourselves get on a routine of some sort that we stick with. So, you know, we wake up around a certain time. We may do some meditating or praying or something where we get centered. Then we start our day. We take lunch. I don't know about coaches, but therapists are infamous for skipping lunch, which is not good self-care. No. And then we have a stopping point where we really let ourselves just be done. If things are coming up when we're trying to go to sleep, keeping a notepad by the bed, preferably not on a phone, but if that's the only way to get it done. So we can write down tasks and release them. We'll forget. Yes. One of the other things you said there that I think is so key is that particularly post pandemic, so many more of us are working from home. We've given up our offices or we've given. So that boundary that you're talking about is so important because 
It takes three steps to get back into the office and to get sucked into, oh, let me just get this done and then this done. And then, and so the the blurred boundaries between work and home become more and more blurred. And I think for our mental health and well-being, that you know, it can affect relationships. It can last night, I actually did want to send out my newsletter before I went and I said, I'm just going to go into my office for a minute. And my husband looked at me like, are you really just going in there for a minute? And I did, I had everything ready. I just wanted to, but some, and when I came out, he was like, oh my gosh, you actually came back out, which right there was a good message for me that I'm maybe not always as good about those boundaries as I should be. And it's hard. Maybe some of it too is just having grace with ourselves. We're going to mess up occasionally. So not beating ourselves up is a huge part of it as well. I love that. What about things like, you know, shifting perspective? I know that, you know, as a therapist, I think one of the greatest gifts for me as a therapist, I'd love your feedback about this and your experience is that all those years of being a therapist gave me great perspective on it could sort of this concept of it could always be worse or like, and I know that's a terrible sort of way to put it, but it's like, let's put things in perspective. Let's be grateful for what we have. Let's, or who we are or what the people around us. I think that working with people who are in such incredible pain for so many years, not every client was incredible, but you know, we deal with some pretty intensive things as therapists. It always helped me put my life in perspective and and be really grateful for the people in my life and the things that are possible versus looking at what's lacking. We'll be back to my interview with Dr. Jane Phillips right after this message. So in today's episode, we're talking about the importance of self-care and paying attention to what we need to fill our own wells, to thrive even in the face of challenge and frustration. One of the best ways I know how to do that is by connecting with other people who are going through like journeys. And that's what we do in the Star Coach membership. Take your Star Coach show experience to the next level by connecting with other coaches who are walking the journey you're walking. Explore resources and get to rub elbows with some of the stars that are on the show as they help you learn and grow through their expertise. And if you've got questions and you just don't know where to bring them, that's why we do our Q&A every month to get your questions answered. There's this and so much more. And really what our members say again and again is that it's the community. It is the connection to others that lifts them up, that clears the fog, that helps them thrive in moving forward as coaches. So I invite you to explore the Star Coach community at starcoachshow.com. Explore the community and join us. Now, let's get back to the show.
Oh, I'm really glad you brought that up, especially for people who may be prone to some depression, like true clinical depression. There is something huge about making a gratitude list because it does change perspective. So if it can help people who are struggling to that extent, think about how much it helps somebody who's just having a rough day. Right. Um, And we do have so much, everybody to be grateful for. And I think that that whole grat- like gratitude journal or gratitude list gets sort of diminished because it's been, it becomes so, oh, a gratitude list thing, like everybody mm-hmm. does. But the reality is it is proven to work. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just because I think sometimes we hear it and then we minimize it. So instead, maybe embrace it. Like, yes, you've heard it before. Yes. It, but, and are you doing it? So mm-hmm. yeah, just because we hear about it a lot doesn't make it less important. It actually makes it more important in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and one way to deal with that is to require yourself to come up with at least one new um, gratitude every day. Every day. We can't something. Get stuck. Yeah. Thank you for my family. One of the other things that I want to both emphasize and then ask you how you might recommend if somebody's struggling with this. But I think one of the signs that can come up um, and maybe even sneak in and like a frog being boiled kind of thing <laughs> is, is our concentration. Yes. When we're stressed or overwhelmed or experiencing less than healthy mental health and well-being, our concentration is one of those things that can show that, but we might not notice it until it is, you know, being boiled. So what are some things that we can do to both pay attention to that emphasis on concentration and then something we might do to get back on track again? Oh, that's a good question. If you're, you notice you just read the same paragraph for the third time and that's happening several times a day. That's a clue. Um, If you notice somebody's just spent a minute talking, but you can't remember what they said, or you're trying to do a wrap up, uh uh-oh, what do I wrap up? Those are clues that, okay, I'm not on top of things. Usually to get our concentration back, it involves not just that moment in time or not just that area, but kind of going back to the other things we talked about. We're not going to start just in that moment that we have to concentrate. It's overall. You know, sometimes it's worthwhile to have a medical evaluation if it feels like it's just, I'm not concentrating at all any day. It's probably not that bad. But if we get those feelings and that negativity, um, it's a good idea to reach out to somebody who might know more. I like that reminder as well, Jane, because the other thing I think we do as human beings, but certainly as service professionals, is we might think, oh, it's not a big deal, or there's not anything to pay attention to. And so the other side of that is, you know, to get verification as, as therapists, we ought, we usually, you know, we want to rule out any medical before mm-hmm. we go to the emotional. And so one of the things I would like for us to kind of emphasize here is there is the we're whole beings. So mm-hmm. yes, we're looking at the emotional and the uh, behavioral and the mindset and those kinds of things. And we're physical beings as well. So if you've got something that's a pattern, 
that might be physical, please don't just assume that everything's fine and dandy. Don't assume that everything's horrible and that you're dying either. I mean, everything's about balance, right? Right. But there are responsible ways to follow up with, okay, maybe I I haven't seen my primary care physician for two years. Maybe it's time for (laughs) me to see my primary care physician, those kinds of things. Right. Right. And sometimes it just helps to talk to somebody. So, you know, your coaching clients are going to talk to you probably, but it's okay for you to talk to somebody else doing consultation, mm-hmm. talking to a friend, just getting different perspective from them. And it it may be a matter of saying, hey, I need to perk my mood up. How can we get there together? Love that. You know, coaches have coaches, coaches have therapists, coaches mm-hmm. have mastermind groups. What do you need to do to potentially be a part of a relationship or a community that can support you as you're supporting others. Right. Right. Love, love, love that. As we're unfortunately already time to begin to wrap up, I did want to to click on though that concept of what are some indicators for, and I'm going to switch now. Well, we can look through the lens of ourselves, but I'm definitely, I asked Jane to talk about this part because we also want to be really aware if our clients are presenting things, what are some indicators that things really are more serious and we might want to refer? Well, yes, we did talk about some, but in general, we're, we're looking at if their mood is reported to be depressed. And we look for most of the day, every day, lack of interest in activities, difficulties with sleep, either sleeping too much or not sleeping enough. Um, Change in appetite is another one. A negative outlook, whether it's on oneself or the world or other people, if that's consistent. We're looking for these patterns that may stay in place over a day or two. We're looking at, you know, if we've gotten to two weeks with these being there, it's probably time to look for help. Um, Also, the lack of concentration would be something to look at, not just in a day or an isolated incident, but over time. Um, Thoughts about death. And this doesn't necessarily mean suicide or homicide, but if people are focusing um, on the macabre and that's not part of their normal existence, um, that may be something to be aware of as well. And then the general fatigue we had mentioned earlier too. So helpful. So what You know, anybody who's worked with me for any period of time or has listened to the show knows that emotions are part of being human. And just because somebody is emotional does not mean that they're not appropriate for coaching. And there are, there's a continuum of everything. And so Dr. Phillips just pointed out the kinds of things that we don't want to turn a blind eye to or step over in a coaching relationship, we want to get curious about that and ask the client what's happening with that and then potentially make a referral if appropriate. So Jane, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Is there anything that I've left on the table that you really wanted to press into regarding this concept of mining our own self-care as uh, helping professionals as well as being responsible toward what's happening with the clients that we work with. One of the things that came to mind is that often we just forget to do it. We mean to, but we forget. So it can be helpful just to make a list, brainstorm with somebody of all the things I'd like to do that give me a little bit of break 
um, that are either fun or relaxing or bring me joy so that if I just can't think of anything, I can go to that list. And then to just put a reminder, sticky notes, bracelets, anything. Tend to be things if they're on our calendar, we're going to do them. So, you know, you honor your calendar for your clients, (laughs) honor your calendar for yourself as well. Great idea. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jane. I've really appreciated spending time with you. Thank you. It's been great to be with you. I really hope that information was helpful for you. As I said, both through the lens of your own self-care and the lens of those people that you work with so that you're aware of when a referral might be needed. My conversation with Dr. Phillips continues in the membership site. If you're interested in joining the community of star coaches and really taking your business to another level, Explore the membership at starcoachshow.com. If you want to know more about Jane Phillips and the work she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 340, starcoachshow.com slash 340, and grab the links in the show notes. I'm going solo again next week, so be sure to come back next week as we dive into another strategy tool or resource to help you partner with your clients, build your business, create a brand that really works for you. I look forward to exploring that with you. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Be well.